Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to Conference Championship Week. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by the king, my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going? It's going incredible right now. I I mean, what else can be said? It's it's Monday night. We just finished up a incredible divisional round weekend where every single game was decided on the last series including the ridiculous finish to the Buffalo Bills and Kansas State Chiefs game, which will probably go down in history as one of the greatest ever. Now, I personally would love to have us take a 13 seconds of silence for the Buffalo Bills fans who might be listening. You know what? i got to be honest with you. I was thinking the same thing, and I thought to myself, that's going to sound like if we truly do 13 seconds— it is going to seem like forever, right? And guess what? It's, oh, totally. That's, I mean, that's why they say dead air really starts after about five or six seconds on the radio. And guess what? It was truly a lifetime in Patrick Mahomes' time. So let's do it. You want to do a 13-second of silence for Buffalo fans? Sure. Okay. Then we will be back in exactly, I would say... 13 seconds from now. And we're back. And guess what? One more second. That's how long it took the Cowboys to play, run one play and lose a game. Exactly. (laughs) That's a good way to twist it back to the previous week. (laughs) Man, that's just like... Everybody that thinks they're going to get drug on that, and, and nope, they dragged the Cowboys. And look, it, you, honestly, if there was a game, and we hear this said a lot, right? No one deserved to lose. No, if there was a game no one deserved to lose, it was truly that game. That was just absolutely incredible. It was, in my mind, I'm going to call it the Hold My Beer Weekend. Okay? So we start off with what's the first game is Cincinnati, Las Vegas? Yeah. No, no Cincinnati, Cincinnati and... and um, it's not, Tennessee. it's not Las Vegas. Tennessee. Cincinnati, Tennessee, and boom, four seconds, last second field goal. Evan McPherson, the Bengals move on, and it's like, okay, next game is the San Packers. Francisco 49ers and the Packers. And the Packers, well, guess what? Niners said, hey, Bengals, hold my beer. Watch this. And then they do the same thing with four seconds left. Um, didn't even score an offensive touchdown. That's the part that really is crazy. Well, let's let's look at it this way. Uh, in that first day, there was one passing touchdown, and that was from Ryan Tannehill in a losing effort. Yeah. And then you get to the um, Rams and the Buccaneers, and they're like, hey, Rams say, hold my beer. And they go out, and they do the same thing with a kicker. 
they came up short on a 47-yarder. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. Didn't realize he was injured. Found that out after the fact. But I've still, seen high school kickers make it from 47. But still, I mean, I thought it was good. When, I'm like, what it won't this? look good. It was dead solid, perfect, going yeah. straight through the middle. Like, and then I'm like, why are they waving it off? And died like, short. Oh, my God, it was short. So then, I mean, that's a serious hold my beer. Well, I'm going to hit this one, right, for the win when it shouldn't have even been close. But, hey, it was. And then, okay, so now we've got three. Final snap, four seconds left in the game, kicks to win the game. Every one of them was on four seconds, right, when the, when the play started. Yes. How in the world can Kansas City and Buffalo top that? They can't. They can't. No, they do, and they do it in a big way. I mean, Mahomes threw for something like 177 yards after the two-minute warning. Yes. Crazy. I got to be honest with you. At this point, I know you had to be like just happy as a pig and you know what, but I just have to say that before we talk anymore, I want to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. <clears throat> The divisional round playoffs produced arguably the greatest football game in history as the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs exchanged kill shots repeatedly over the final two minutes of regulation. The game was decided in overtime as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs marched down the field for the game-winning touchdown with the Bills not ever getting the football. This, of course, caused a Twitter uproar over the fairness of overtime rules. Some on Twitter were even ridiculously demanding that the NFL change the rules immediately and that they replay the game next week. Now, okay, Twitterati, we'll just change the rules mid-postseason and award every team a participation trophy instead of the Lombardi. I'm sure that the Texans, Jaguars, and Giants are the most excited to get their trophies. <laughs> In a surprising coaching move, the Baltimore Ravens released veteran defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale last week. We here at the BPN News Office can neither confirm nor deny if he has been offered the hosting job on Jeopardy as of yet. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers made it clear that he did not want to be part of a rebuild next season if he chooses to play once again. Well, I'm sorry, Vikings fans. But there goes any hope of him following in Brett Favre's footsteps by joining the rival Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski stated that he would consider returning to the Buccaneers even if Tom Brady were to retire. Now, maybe someone should tell Rob that additional years accrued in the National Football League will still not help him get into USAA. <laughs> and finally... None of Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, or Aaron Rodgers will be in the conference championship games this year. Now, what's next? Are me and Steve going to be replaced by a couple of 20-somethings in next year's rookie podcast draft? <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Hey, maybe. You never know. Uh, I tend to like that, so I would stick with us. Exactly. I mean, you, you got to have that gray the gray hair and the beard, you know, the rustic and yeah. like, <laughs> like Andrew Whitworth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 40 years old. Um, so one love the, the Gronk part about USAA. That was good. Um, Thank you. two, 
I, I want to get your thoughts on this. I wanted to throw it over to you for the news because I didn't want to step on anything because we didn't, you know, I didn't know what we were going to talk about, and there wasn't a ton to talk about. But how do you feel about the Rams playing? I'm sorry. How do you feel about the Niners going on the road to play a home game against the Rams this week? Well, I was going to say you're, you're going to have more fans, or well, there was going to be more fans there from San Francisco, and that was kind of the plan ahead of time. But of course. Los Angeles put a moratorium on ticket sales for anyone outside uh, of the zip codes of the basically the five county Los Angeles area. So I wonder how that pertains to season ticket holders, because evidently there's a large contingent of San Francisco um, 49er fans that own season tickets also. That's certainly possible. I mean, again, it's like if you are a season ticket holder, you already hold the tickets. So you're not going onto the site to buy tickets. I think this is only pertaining to right. people who come on to buy one-off tickets for the particular game. Now, it also doesn't preclude people from buying tickets and then selling them on the secondary market. True. And then here's the other thing. They said that it was based on your your credit card billing address slash zip code. What's exactly. To, what's to keep somebody from changing their address to something in that area and then ordering the tickets and then changing it right back. I, I don't see how that would be avoidable if, if someone really wanted to do that. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway, if you're the Rams, would you rather play a home road game against the Niners or a true road game against the Packers? In hindsight, yeah. in hindsight, uh, I, I think that considering that they would be traveling West to East and they'd be going from the friendly confines of a nice warm environment to playing outdoors in January in Lambeau, I would rather still sort of do the semi-home game in Los Angeles. Okay. But who has the better defense in your eyes, the Rams or the Niners? The Rams or Niners or the Niners or Packers? No, the Rams or the Niners. I think it's very close. I think that the Rams have a more well-balanced defense. Yeah, they're they're neither are either more appreciable one way or the other, right? Well, exactly. The Packers. Have but when, a you, hard when time. you're talking match to the offense, yeah, I, I mean, obviously the Rams have a huge advantage, right? Because uh, there's really two major weapons in the passing game for San Francisco, and the L.A. Rams' pass rush and their secondary is a good match for that. Yeah. Now, obviously they can be beaten on the ground. So you got some possibilities there and vice versa. I mean, San Francisco has been good against the run this year, but as you'll probably see me mention a little bit when we talk about DFS today is that San Francisco hasn't been super great against pass catching backs recently. So there's that. Right. So I think it's going to be one of the Lower scoring games of the weekend, probably the lowest scoring game of the weekend, honestly. Oh, I, I think it has to be. I mean, of you've got two, two high octane offenses yeah. with questionable defenses playing in the other game. Uh, what I was getting at was, I actually think the Rams could have gone into Green Bay and handled the Packers that had a hard time putting up, you know, what, 17 points? They didn't, they didn't get there uh, against a 49er team. So, um, but at the end of the day, I actually still think the Rams have enough firepower on both offense and defense. Um, and I'm sorry, but Jimmy G's the he's the linchpin that's going to make this cart um, have the wheels come off, unfortunately. Exactly. So, well, um, anything else you want to say about your Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, I mean, Patrick? It, again, like I said, it, it bears repeating that if you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills 
And obviously they have had a, a horrible tenure in Super Bowls in their history. Not much unlike our Minnesota Vikings fans here in Minnesota. Uh, but do not hold your heads down. No. That was one of the greatest games that I have ever witnessed. I mean, I, my blood pressure, I, I would hate to have seen a monitor during that final minute or so. If you look at the graphs online of like winning percentage over the last two minutes, it, it's like a heart rate monitor of someone that's just been shocked back with the defibrillator. It, it's just, uh, that was one of the best things I've ever witnessed. And again, if the Bills had won, I would have said the same thing. Yep. Obviously, it would have hurt. Obviously, uh, when we look at things, I mean, whether it be next year, whether it be five years from now or 10 years from now, eventually, Josh Allen is going to get the big game win over Patrick Mahomes. And it'll hurt to be the Chiefs fan on that day. But you know what? This is the makings of an incredible rivalry, which, again, should be in place for at least the next five years in the AFC. And, again, we're wa watching all these older quarterbacks retire in the NFC. you got guys like Brady and Rodgers who will probably be out of the league in the next two to three years. Uh, guys like Russell Wilson who are getting very old. I mean, even Matthew Stafford, yeah. who is in the uh, championship game, he's, uh, he's old in the NFC. But in the NFC, you've really only got guys like Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott among your younger classes, whereas in the AFC, Stacked. you've got Stacked. Uh, Justin Herbert. Didn't even make the playoffs this year. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, who knows where he's going to end up. You, you've got Mahomes. You've got Ellen. You've got Lamar Jackson. You've got Joe Burrow. It, it's just such a huge lineup. It Again, you forgot, Buffalo Bills you fans, you, be proud. You forgot Baker. <laughs> I have to say that my wife's over my shoulder. Okay. Well, here's the thing: uh, no one, no one likes Baker more than me, but I don't see an argument for a team that's already devoid of wide receiver talent to be planning to cut their only legitimate wide receiver this offseason to save money. It's a good point. That is a very, very good point. Um, <clears throat> I had another point I wanted to make. Oh, about overtime. Let's talk overtime real quick. So. Yes. The Bills didn't touch the ball on offense. I get mm -hmm. it. However, let's just say that the NFL did change the overtime rules in a not-so-distant past, and it's better than it used to be. Oh, right? totally. Because at least now it's a touchdown to kill the game and not just a field goal like it used to be. Yeah, it, when you think about today's kickers, you got guys like McPherson and Tucker and Butker. You get the ball to the 40-yard line, they've got a chance to kick that field goal. I mean, you, you might have to travel the ball – uh, 35 yards down the field to get that game-winning field goal yep. in, in overtime. And that could be one pass, one back shoulder pass interference type pass, right? Um, exactly. So here's, my, here's what I would do if I was the NFL. I would leave the overtime rule as it stands for the regular season. However, in the playoffs, I would make it as such that each team gets a possession. Okay, no matter if the first team gets a touchdown or a field goal, okay, each team gets an offensive possession. Okay, mm -hmm. so that means that means if you are on offense and you throw a, an interception that's a pick six, you're going to lose because you got to kick off. It means you're going to have to try an onside kick, right? So that's, okay, so the. 
the safety and the pick six would have to be defined. If you get one of those, the game's over, right? You're not going to get an offensive possession because you scored. The reason I say give each team one possession and then go to, I don't care, flip a coin on what you want it to be, either sudden death or next touchdown. I don't care, okay? But the reason I say give each team a an offensive series is this. Football is the most team-oriented sport that you'll find. You can win in basketball with one person, right? In baseball, you can dominate with a pitcher and just some decent hitting. But in football, and we saw it in, the, in both games technically, um, between San Francisco and the Packers and also the Tampa Bay game, special teams matters, right? Yeah. It's three, three factors of this game. So when you kick off, your special teams is playing and their special teams is playing, right? Now, when the other team has it for their first offensive series, their offense is playing and your defense is playing. If they go down the field and score like Pat did, that means that the Chiefs' defense never saw the field and the Bills' offense never saw the field. So by giving each team a series on offense guarantees that both teams, all three facets of the game, see the field in overtime during the playoffs. I mean, I guess that's kind of the argument a lot of people are giving. Um, I, I just I look back at and I think that the biggest thing to remember about this particular game is uh, if Harrison Butker makes his field goal or his extra point We're during the there. regular game, We're not there. Uh, this, is all, this is all moot. If, uh, if the Buffalo Bills go for a second two-point conversion on one of those other touchdowns, this point is all moot. Yep. If Buffalo stops Pat Mahomes from scoring with 13 seconds from his own 25, this point is all moot. Yep. But it's not. I mean, it is because nobody's talking about it today. But but it still exists, and you're waiting for it to happen because it happened to the Chiefs not so long ago against the Bucks, right? 2019. Not the Bucks against the Patriots. So uh, that's just my thought on it. Um, I don't think that they'll do it. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, honestly. Um, I think we're too close to the last change. I think that the last change was needed. Yep. And I think that the last change made it considerably fairer than it was. And so it, it really, I mean, it, it's, we're all prisoners of the moment, so to speak. Yep. It happened. So it, it's, it's the, the new current on rage online is to talk about that. But again, will we be talking about that? Week two of next season, probably not. Yeah, probably not till it, till it matters again. That's when you get. That's when it talks about it. So I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why we're dialed in here. Let's talk DFS. This conference week. That means there's two games, which means there's four quarterbacks, four defenses, uh, maybe a couple extra wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. But again, it's a much, 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 much smaller pool to choose from this week. Fortunately, we've got a couple good offenses and we've got a couple good defenses playing the other game. So, I think we, uh, I think we're likely to match on probably eight today. So I did a little count on my own and I said if Harley says nine, I've got to take the under. So I guess if he says something less than, I'll take the over. So I'm going to take the over. I still think it could be difficult because we should sweep quarterback. That's the first thing I look at, right? Yes. And then I'm like, I think we can get one or two of the of the running backs. So that could be five. Now where do we get that those other four to get the over? So I'll take the over, though. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be close. I think I, I want. I originally had nine, and I shifted down to eight because I think those the wide receiver still is is thin enough that we might be able to have some non matches there. Yeah, I agree. So go ahead, start us off. Who are we going to match on at the pay up spot for quarterback? Well, again, we've got four quarterbacks in play who are starting. Again, assuming there's no COVID calls or late injuries or whatnot, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the player you're going to pay up for. Uh, you you have to assume there's going to be some sort of a letdown after last week's slugfest with the Bills. But what's a letdown from nearly 500 yards of offense and all those passing touchdowns? And you know what? Cincinnati's pass defense, they're considerably worse than Buffalo's. So even if there is a letdown, it might not be a statistical letdown. So we do match. Um, if you were to look season totals week 1 through 17, you would have found that Kansas City ranked second and points allowed to the quarterback spot, while the the um, Bengals ranked 16th, middle of the pack. But if you scroll that down and look at the last eight weeks of the season, omitting week 18, so week 10 through 17, you find that the Bengals actually were second in points allowed to the quarterback spot, and the Chiefs were 26th. So, yes, we have a match on paying up for Pat Mahomes. Okay. Uh, I think we're probably going to match on the uh, stay away, too. Yes. Uh, again, there's only four quarterbacks to choose from. This guy's hardly a expensive pick, but I think we both agree that Jimmy Garoppolo has got the worst matchup of any of the quarterbacks this week. I mean, uh, it's a quarterback, and his own team doesn't want him to throw the ball. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, here's the thing. How many times in history has a quarterback beat another team three times in one season? That's really hard to do. It, to add on top of that the fact that Debo Samuel may be, uh, may be limited slightly by the ankle injury. I know he did come back into the game, but, uh, again, if he's not 100%, that takes away basically 50% of the San Francisco 49ers offense. And you're already facing a defense that's going to limit the opposing team to scoring. Uh, taking away 50% of that offense would be really bad. So. I think that looking at this, Jimmy's the one that's going to be in like next in their lineups, right? I think Which is why maybe you consider throwing him out there as a contrarian play. Yeah, I get that, but that's exactly what you're doing. So if if really if DraftKings and FanDuel wanted to make it interesting, put him at like four thousand or something like that. No, I was going to say actually bring him down in like twenty five hundred to three thousand. Give him the Chris Davis treatment. That's not fair. Do, you do that right, and then it just you're like. He might only throw for 87 yards, but man, 2,500. Like, you actually have people wondering if they shouldn't start him or not. At this point, yeah. 5,400, 7,400 with Pat, you're like, nah, I'll pass. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I haven't looked that closely yet at the, uh, at the showdown pricing for uh, DraftKings yet for that game, but I, I got to assume he's going to be a popular captain play there. Yeah, I would too. All right, so we're staying away. We're, we're paying up for Pat. We're staying away from Jimmy. And the value play on the board is? This is the one where we could go either way. I, I, you like both those guys. They're both pretty much the same price. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. You know, if, if, particularly if Kansas City is without uh, Honey Badger again next week. I, I haven't seen any updates yet on his status as far as concussion protocol goes. But if he ends up missing the game, uh, Bengals have three legitimate wide receivers to throw to. And we saw what a team of three legitimate wide receivers did to Kansas City this past weekend. Uh, I think it could be a very, very bad game for the secondary if uh, Tyron can't go. Yeah, so look, you've, it's, it's got to come down to Burrow or Stafford. 
the only difference yeah. in price is 300 bucks on DraftKings. They're the same on FanDuel. And normally I'm going to take the guy that's a little less. However, this time I do see that game as being the one that's lower, much lower scoring. And I figure that Joe's got a better chance of some garbage time possibly. Or at a minimum, look, it's a higher scoring game. I mean, the KC game has an over-under of 54.5. San Francisco Rams is at 46. And I don't even know that if you put it at 42, I may not say that I would take the over. So, well, here's the thing to think about, too, is this past week, Joe Burrow had basically 17 points on DraftKings. He didn't throw a touchdown. Right. And he managed to get to 17 points. <laughs> yeah, he, he got sacked like 26,000 times, I think. But anyway. Yeah, that, that, talk about, talk about a, a kid playing through adversity there. I mean, jeez. Yeah. And you know what I just thought of? When you said that, I thought of the play where he hit Jamar Chase and he broke open and made a, a nice run after the catch. And then for some reason in my head, that transitioned to Cheetah. Was that <laughs> touchdown by Tyreek Hill not phenomenal? Well, and so again, I, I commented on Twitter this morning that that was the most awesome play I saw this weekend was the, uh, the Tyreek touchdown. But I, I also want to give a little credit for the uh, – McCole Hardman rushing touchdown on oh, the reverse. Man. Yeah. Where he managed to somehow or another basically watch two guys go high-low on him, and they both missed him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw. I posted a little meme on that. I showed a cannon shooting off because it was like he went out of there like a cannonball shot him. A cannon shot him out. It was just – Yeah, I, I don't know how neither of them tackled him. <laughs> yeah, they've got some otherworldly stuff going on. Okay, so we swept the quarterback spot. Let's run on over to the running back spot and see what we can do there. Now, at the running back spot, we've got the four starters, obviously. Yep. The problem is that with the Kansas State Chiefs, we really don't know who the starter is. And, and there's maybe even some question about who's going to be the Los Angeles Rams starter after the fumbleitis that uh, Cam Akers had last week. So yep. uh, the guy that I'm going to pay up for, though, is the highest-priced guy on the board, and that's Joe Mixon. Uh, the best way to try and beat Kansas City is to keep the ball away from their offense. And Mixon had a pretty strong game against Kansas City earlier this season, including seven receptions. Now, this isn't the first time that Kansas City has allowed a lot of receptions to the position. That's been one of their weaknesses all season. Plus, you know, last week, uh, Devin Singletary scored, but he didn't have a huge statistical week. The main reason that was was because Josh Allen was doing all the running. Joe Burrow doesn't run the ball very often. He, he, I think his high this year is like five carries for like 20 yards. So Mixon doesn't have to worry about sharing carries with Joe Burrow out of the backfield. So in that last game where the Bengals wound up coming back and beating the Chiefs, which I think the Chiefs are going to get their revenge because of that, 34-31, Mixon was 12 for 46 on the ground, no touchdowns, long of 13. And he did get eight targets with seven catches for 40 yards and no touchdowns. So you're talking what's that, 11, eh, 15, 16-ish points, right? Yeah, I can't pay up for that. Now, I, especially when I get what you're saying, that that's how you beat them. But I don't think you're going to beat them. So I don't think you're going to be able to do that. And look, Chris Jones is a beast. He didn't have a huge game yesterday. But you saw what Jeffrey Simmons did. I just yes. think that the Bengals are going to have to do a little more chipping and, and keeping backs in at stuff and try to you know pay off with the passing game. So... As much as I want to like Mixon because he looks like the, the true bell cow of everybody that's up there, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to pay up for him. So I came down to it's either Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
or Jarek McKinnon. And CEH looked pretty good yesterday, comparatively. He did. He really did. However, he did so on just 23 snaps versus McKinnon's 53. That's 70% of the snaps for McKinnon and 30% for CEH. Now, that could be we're working you back from the injury, right? That was his first game back, yeah. So that could play into it. So then that means at the end of the day, for me, what I'm doing is I'm going to look at it and I'm paying up for the cheaper of the two. So that means I'm doing a split. On DraftKings, I'm going to run McKinnon. And on FanDuel, I'm going to go Allaire. And what happens if Daryl Williams is active for this game? Then we'll have to see if he comes into the realm of value play. <laughs> okay. So we didn't have a matchup there at, uh, at pay to play. Does that mean that you're staying away from Joe Mixon? Unfortunately, it does. And, and I, did okay. have a second guy, I did have a second guy I was considering, but because Mixon's a 900 and $1,200 more, I went with him over Eli Mitchell. Well, Eli Mitchell is my stay away. Uh, the opposition can do damage against Los Angeles by throwing passes to their running backs. I talked about that a little bit earlier. But that really isn't Eli's strength. That that falls more in the hands of Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty, and even Kyle Yusick to a certain degree. And he's the second highest priced running back on both sites. So I don't really see this as a good play, especially if he ends up splitting carries out of the backfield with Debo Samuel, too. Yep. He's not going to get the passing work. He's only going to get half of the rushing work. Now, he might get the running touchdowns, but again, like you say, it's only 900 less than Mixon, who is guaranteed to be the bell, bell cow there in Cincinnati this week. Yep. So almost should give us a half if we happen to push, but I won't. Um, I think <laughs> we're going to match on the value play, honestly. Well, I decided to go with the only other guy that I feel is a fairly safe uh, volume play, and that's Cam Akers. Over the last four games, San Francisco has allowed 25 running back receptions, including three to Cam Akers back in Week 18 in his first game back from injury. Now, Akers is definitely the full-time back once again, despite the two fumbles. Last week, he had 27 touches, while Sony Michelle had three. That says bell cow to me. This isn't the greatest matchup on paper, but the volume alone should bring him back value. So I don't disagree with you, and that is the game I was targeting. We don't have a match, though, and I am concerned about the fumbles. I am not concerned that the fumbles are going to take away the majority of his snaps, but I am concerned that they're going to take them away from him where it matters most, at the stripe. And in a game where the score could wind up being 20 to 10 or 13, at 21 to 13, something like that. Two, three opportunities at the stripe. If Mitchell gets those, I think that that makes him a pretty smooth value play. Um, he's the only sub $5,000 guy on DraftKings. He's a little bit higher. He's still 900 bucks cheaper than Cam. Cam's safer, but if you want to be contrarian, I think Mitchell's the, Michelle's the way to go. I would agree with that, too. Okay. Let's see if we can get back on track at the wide receiver spot. Okay, so I struggled with my pay-to-play here at wide receiver because they've all got pretty good matchups, to say the least. Uh, uh, I ended up settling on Jamar Chase as my pay-to-play wide receiver. Uh, last time out versus Kansas City, Jamar went nuclear, racking up 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, 
there are some starting NFL wide receivers that didn't have that level of success over a full month this season. Now, Chase has also scored and or topped 100 yards in 12 of the 19 games he has played this season. And kind of throw out that Week 18 one where he played only for about uh, uh, one and a half series. So if you want to discount that, you might say 12 of the 18 games. But yeah, again, he has been hot. There's obviously the uh, connection between him and Burrow. We figure that game is going to be high scoring. It's going to be a vertical passing game. Give me Jamar at a slightly reduced price over some of the higher price guys too. Yeah, so look, it, the, the, the move is I'm seeing I, I like Pat and I want to stack him with Tyreek, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't like that I'm not getting the exposure to Joe. But I, how can I take Joe over Pat, right? I just can't do it. So I'm going to offset that, and, and I wound up saying, okay, I'm going to steer away from Tyreek for one reason or another, and I'm going to go to Chase. So we do match there. Um, but you could, you'd have a hard time talking me out of trying to squeeze two to three of those guys in my lineup, quite honestly, in the top four. Well, here's the thing. If, if you really are concerned about the final total point-wise in the San Francisco Rams game, there's nothing stopping you from starting three receivers in that Cincinnati KC game and possibly even uh, throwing in tight end uh, uh, either Uzoma or Kelsey, too, or both of them. Right. Who are you staying away from? Uh, stay away from, actually, I, I could have chosen Debo Samuel, but when I look back at it, he's actually done pretty good against the Rams. He, he scored, like, three times this year against them already, including a couple on the ground. So his price tag isn't obnoxious. I could have gone Cooper Cup because his price tag is obnoxious. And, again, we're talking that this game might be a little lower scoring. But he's also scored against the 49ers. And he's a consistent 100-yard receiver, consistent 9 or 10 reception guy. So I don't really want to steer clear of him. Uh, ultimately, I did a little bit more research. And I settled on staying away from Odell Beckham Jr. Now, San Francisco seems to know how to slow down Beckham. He's posted exactly two catches and 18 yards in each of the two earlier meetings against the Niners this year. And, you know, if you look back to 2019, his last start against the Niners, well, with the Browns, he only had two catches in that game, too. You have to go back to, like, 2017 uh, when he was still with the New York Giants to find the last time that he actually had a good game against San Francisco. So, for everything you said, I agree with what you said and how you got there. But for me, and I, can't, I won't fault anybody if they want to play him. I just, I won't. But I'm going to stay away from Cooper Cup because if you play Cup, you've got no chance of trying to get Tyreek with him or Chase with him more than likely, right? That, that is completely true, yes. Unless, like I said, you take a couple of $4,000, $5,000 running backs. But if I avoid Cup, I can get Hill and Chase in a lineup more than likely. Yes, you can. So that's why I'm going to avoid Cooper Cup. And the other reason I'm going to avoid him, because if you really want exposure to that game, but we do think it's going to be lower scoring, look at Van Jefferson. And yes, avoid Odell Beckham Jr. for the same reason you said, but if you really want exposure to that game, look at Van Jefferson. Cheap man's Debo. Yep. Okay. Well, Van Jefferson, is he going to be your value play then? No, he's not. It's too low a scoring game. (laughs) Uh, My value play (coughs) is Tyler Boyd. Again, I want as much exposure to that game as I can. I thought about Brian, uh, Byron Byron Pringle. But, you know, again, as I said earlier, if Honey Badger doesn't play this week, just remember what Gabriel Davis just did to the KC defense. Don't Tyler Boyd runs that exact same root tree. That's going to be Tyler Boyd 
getting the four touchdowns this week if they happen to give up four touchdowns to that position again. So initially, okay, give me my thought process. I write down Tyreek. I already know I'm avoiding Cup. So I'm looking at my value plays, and I go, okay, I like T. Higgins. I can, I can fit both <coughs> those guys in because I, I don't think I can get Chase in there, right? Maybe yep. I can, but go T. I was like, oh, man, Tyler Boyd's even cheaper, and, and he, you know, Gabriel Davis. Why can you not want to take that chance there? And I was like, okay, that's what it is. It's Boyd. And then I go back and I look at him like, but I think I got to go Chase instead of Tyreek, and now I don't want to have Chase and Boyd, right? So I oh, I'm planning on doing both of them in a few laps again. I actually on. did Hold on. Uh, both Chase and Higgins in a couple laps last week. <laughs> Hold on. So I go to Pringle. And then the more <laughs> I look at that, I'm like, nah, I'm going Boyd. So it's Chase, Cup, Boyd. That's it. Paying up for Chase, staying away from Cup, going with Boyd is my value play. Yeah, again, the value plays this week at wide receiver are nice. Like I said, Pringle, you, you look at McCole Hardman again after that great yep. reverse run last week. You mentioned Van Jefferson. Uh even if you want to get a cheap exposure to the San Francisco Los Angeles game, you got Jawan Jennings, who uh, was the big touchdown to win the game and, and the comeback in weeks. I want to say week eighteen against them, right? Yep. So there's some value to be found there, but again, you want to get two of those higher price guys, whether it be uh, some combination of Cup, Hill, Chase, and Higgins. You want to have two of those for some in there somewhere, and consider Debo too again. I'm, Knowing that that game's going to be lower scoring, probably. So we've got five matches. That means we have to run the table to push. We Uh, might do it. We might, because I think we're definitely going to match on the pay-up here. And this pay-up, I'll just tell you, made it easier for me to to pivot off of Tyreek and Chase. I'm paying up for Travis Kelsey. That's the obvious play to do. And again, I've actually done that in a few laps. I've already set for this week. I'm pivoting off of Hill for Kelsey. I'm going to try to get some laps where I have both of them in there, too, just to... uh, get ultimate uh, yeah. Voltron stack going with the uh, Kansas State Chiefs offense. But you know, it's the best remaining tight end on the board, and he's facing the worst remaining defense against tight ends. Yes. So when you look back to Week 17, Kelsey actually had a down game against Cincinnati, but he was coming off the game that he missed for COVID, and he still got a touchdown. And if you add the numbers that Travis got to the numbers that Noah Gray got and Blake Bell got, in that game, they ended up a combined nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like we ignored the tight end position in that game. It's just that they limited Kelsey's snaps a little bit because it was just game coming back. Yep. And he still had seven targets. With, <coughs> if you wrapped up yes. the other ones in, it's 11 targets and would have led the team. So, yeah, we, that's an easy match. Who? This one was a little more challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you staying away from? Uh, it, it just fell down to the fact that his price is still too high. I think that's George Kittle. Yep. Uh, over the last five weeks, including a game against the Rams, Kittle has accounted for 13 catches for 143 yards with no touchdowns. Again, obviously, the San Francisco 49ers do not want Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball. Now, obviously, it would behoove them to try to throw the ball to George Kittle and to Debo Samuel because they're both very talented. But... The coaching staff doesn't want him to throw the ball. So I think the best you're hoping for with Kittle is maybe like 6-60. Six and 60. Yeah, and that's ceiling. Maybe if throw in the, the, a, a short touchdown or something. But, yeah, I was thinking more like 4-50, four, four honestly, 4-45 and 45 or something. Um, and that, w- that would be his second-highest game of the last uh, six weeks then. Yeah, the other guy that I looked at, because I'm like, look, Kittle can blow up any given week, right? 
So yeah. it's like, dude, I don't want to fault somebody if they want to play him, but I still think his price tag's too high. So I looked, and Higby doesn't have the best matchup either. Neither does Uzoma. Um, so I wrote Higby down, but I went up across the match saying, no, I just got to go with my gut and say that Kittle's truly the guy that you should be staying away from this week. Well, then I'm guessing we probably won't match on our value play because Tyler Higby is my value play. Ha, uh, but, but you'd be wrong because we do <laughs> match. You see, Higby has scored three times this season versus San Francisco already. That goes back a little bit to us talking about them shutting down Odell Beckham. Apparently, when you shut down Odell Beckham, that's taking away coverage from whoever is guarding Tyler Higby. That's allowed Higby to score three times this year against them. And you know what? San Francisco's allowed six tight end touchdowns this year. But yeah, half of them went to Higby. Yeah. So I don't like Uzoma's matchup at all. I think that it's it's the other guys that are going to eat, okay? Well, would I yeah. be shocked if he was three for 25 and a touchdown? No. Um, so now you take Uzoma out of there. You have Blanton, Bell, and Gray. I mean, there's no way I'm going to bank on either of them guys, any of those three, as a value play. So even though I don't like Higby's matchup, I'd much rather use him as a value play if I was going to punt the position. Exactly. Again, I think that he is the one possible sneaky play yep. uh, in that game. Other than, like I said, choosing the running back between Akers or Michelle, I think Higby is the one other guy that you can get some representation in that game. I don't disagree. So I have to be honest with you. My expectations are low for this week because there's no way we come close to this past weekend. Just no, way. <laughs> just can't happen. And if it does, my well, we had we had a rotten wild, wild, super wild card week, a not so super yeah, <coughs> wild card week, and then we had a super divisional playoff week. So now we've got the conference championship, and uh, again, I, I said it online, and I'll say it again: Buffalo versus Kansas City was this year's Super Bowl. Yeah, I whatever agree. happens the rest of the way is is just gravy. I agree with that. I'll make my prediction right now. Um, Kansas City and the Rams. Rams have a home game for the Super Bowl, but Kansas City comes out with a win. That's my prediction for the Super Bowl at this point. I absolutely 100% agree with that uh, prognostication. I've got the Rams and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with the Rams hosting, obviously, because it's going to be at uh, SoFi Stadium. Uh, We should see a fair amount of red there in attendance, though. So uh, give me the Kansas City home game there. And uh, we'll call the victory for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Uh, another title for St. Patrick as he tries to build up that glove to compete with Thanos Brady. There you go. He's, he better get it now because it's going to be tough for any of those guys. Once they get there, they need to take advantage of it. Um, they're going to just be beating the hell out of each other um, for years to come. Anyway, don't beat yourself up when you're trying to figure out what you need to do. Check in on Twitter with Harley at Nuclear Harley. Check in with me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the huddle.com. Membership's good for one entire calendar year, so you're not going to be shorting yourself. And then just so you know, next week Harley and I are going to be taking off because that's Pro Bowl week. But we will be back after that the following week to give you DFS for the Super Bowl, the game of all games that will likely not live up to this week's past Kansas City-Buffalo game. And listen, because there's only two games – no Mondays, no Thursdays to get your drink on. Just make sure that when you're concentrating all that drinking on those two games that you get blitz responsible. Cheers. Cheers.